0: Thank the Lord. You may be seated. Brother Bowman, come on up here. Brother Bowman is going to teach tonight. Uh, Brother Bowman comes with uh, uh, with uh, great credentials. Uh, he's uh, He's been a instructor at ABI, instructor at Urshan, and uh, we're privileged to have these folks and with us. We really are. We're privileged to have you. We're glad you're here. You've chosen this little church to be a part of and... And I believe that it's the will of God. And thank you for coming. Thank you all for being here. And take your liberty tonight. Do what you feel like doing. We'll, amen, you get behind you. We'll do what we can. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. After that, I can't wait to hear what I got to (laughs) say. And there are folks watching at home, right? All right, I'm st- we're still unpacking, so I don't have my, I don't have my magic preaching Bible, my my lucky preaching Bible. I don't have that. I couldn't find the notes, so uh, I did this from memory, and the memory's starting to fail me. So I'll do the best I can. My, I want to help you tonight. I don't want to hurt you. I promise not to hurt you. Uh, but if I can help, uh, sometimes, especially we who are getting older is that safe enough we're getting older face different challenges than we did when we were 20 Uh, and so and the challenges maybe they're the same size but the the strength is not as, as good as it was but it seems like every challenge is greater and it affects us more often and longer and so you get up in the morning, and you can move everything, and everything still works. You you just need to praise God, say so yeah. thank God. Uh, when they one common thing in the in the stores that you shop, they'll say, uh, "How are you today?" or some are having a good day or something. And I always say, uh, I always say, any day above ground is a good one. It's better than the alternative. And. Uh, Paul said it this way, he said for me to live is Christ. To die is nothing but gain. So that's a good attitude to have. And so uh, tonight I want to, uh, I've titled this, I hope so that you can remember it, and each of you should have a card. And I'm going to give you four points to write down tonight. And this this is like uh, an emergency card. It's like a get out of jail card in Monopoly. All right, and so uh, I'll just start, and then we'll see where this goes. Uh, but my title is How to Stick When You're Coming Unglued. And I have been in places where I felt that. I think it's Psalm 61. It says, when my heart was overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I had. Sometimes I can't get there by myself. I need somebody. I need the church. I need people to help me get to the rock. That's higher than I am, and so uh, there are times when we go through things uh, that uh, somebody will come up and it's well-meaning saint, God bless them. They'll come up and they'll say, "Well, uh, it will be all right." And but sometimes, and you know, they love you and they don't. They want the best for you, but sometimes that just doesn't get the job done. As nice as they are. Uh, and sometimes they'll say, well, Jesus uh, Jesus will help you. Well, I, in the back of my mind, I know that. I know all of the platitudes. I've been in ministry about 50 years now. And so I know all the things that I say and we say to each other when we're going, what they call in Georgia, going through it. <laughs> and it can be a lot of different stuff. Uh, but sometimes you just got to go through it. And so uh, tonight I'm going to try to teach us a little lesson. I don't, uh, I don't know a lot of Greek. I have resources that tell me what the Greek says. And I have resources that tells me what the Hebrew says when I need that. But sometimes I don't need a long-hour dissertation on overcoming problems. From I don't need a seminar on how things are going to get better. And I appreciate all good preaching. Uh, and uh, I know that helps. And somebody said it this way, and I agree that when you don't know what to do, keep doing the things you know to do until you know what to do. Uh, and so that's good advice. Uh, I have seen people try to struggle through problems, serious problems, and they quit going to church. Well, why would you quit going? to the place that can help you go through it. And you can only go halfway through a problem because the other half you are coming out. Uh, and so, and I like what somebody else said. They said, uh, I'm not uh, in the valley. I'm just changing mountaintops. Well, nothing grows on the mountaintop. It's, it's not, you ever seen those pictures in National Geographic? Those people climb Everest and they climb all these mountains. Uh, and uh, it's beautiful up there. But they take a picture and they leave because there's, n- there's nothing growing up there. There's no food up there. There's no oxygen up there. It's beautiful. Uh, but uh, it's like the apostles who were up on the mountaintop with Jesus. Peter said, let's build three tabernacles up here. Jesus said, no, let's go down in the valley and see if we can help that little boy who's throwing himself in the fire. And so that's what I'm, I'm kind of a practical preacher. I know tonight is watch night service, first time. Everybody's watching I'm watching you, you're watching me. Kind of watch night service, but i'm going to try to help you i I don't want you to leave here without something in your hand that's going to help you uh and so i of all the messages I've preached in 50 years, I consider this probably in the top ten if 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 we rate them you know you know i I tend to think they're better than they are. Uh, But I had a lady in my church, after I preached, she'd come and tell me, she said, that's an innie, or she said, that's an outie. An outie means I could preach it out. An innie was only for the church. And so it's kind of humbling to have your messages compared to belly buttons. So so, uh, Paul said, uh, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. And so, this little Bible study tonight, if you'll write these down, keep it in your purse or your wallet or on your desk or on a bulletin board at the house. Uh, and I'll tell you how to use it when we get done with it. Is that right? Uh, so, when you, uh, but sometimes when you're so upset and you're so hurting and you're so out of sync with your surroundings uh, that you can't sit still for a seminar on how. Bad Things Happen to Good People. That's a good book, by the way, but uh, that's not where this came from. Matter of fact, uh, I have these four things here on this sheet from memory. Uh, And so I went to the computer uh, late this afternoon, and I typed in four anchors for the soul. And uh, because in, in Acts 27, Paul, when they got in the shipwreck, said they threw four anchors out the, out the back and some out the bow. And so uh, if you put 40 preachers in here and you ask them what those four anchors are, uh, you'll get 160 different things. <laughs> so this is not all of them, but these are emergency. This is emergency medicine right here. This is like the nitroglycerin when you're having an angina attack you got to if you can get that little pill under your tongue right all right so number 1 here we go number 1 write this down if you will if or if you don't I'll write it down anyway this is class and uh, there'll be a test at the end all right uh put down i know i know some things there's a lot of things i don't know hello anybody else uh i know uh, from a to z i don't want to go to hell how many want to go to heaven you want to go to heaven yeah I know from A to Z, sometimes I don't know what to do from A to B. <laughs> I struggle with the with the here and now. I, I know I want to go to heaven. I want to see Jesus. I want to see all my friends. I want to see uh, former students and uh, all those people. I want to see them. Uh, but sometimes I don't know how to get from B to C or from D to F. Uh, and so this will help. Uh, there's some things I know. There's, there's, there's a lot of things that we know, ingrained, but sometimes we can't pull them up when we need them. And so you're going to have something in your hand, a practical thing in your hand to look at when um, you don't know what to do. Uh, this came out uh, of a... I had a an episode of Guillain-Barre, pretty serious, and they put me in ICU for three, three days. Two, day, two days and three nights or three nights and four days? So four days. And uh, I said, why are you doing that? And they said, well, because, well, the doctor came in there, and he said, Reverend, he said, I got some good news and I got some bad news. This is what he said. I said, well, what's the bad news? He said, you've got Guillain-Barre. It's a nerve thing. Your immune system attacks your own nerves. And so it's, it's debilitating and paralyzing. And I said, well, if that's the bad news, what's the good news? He said, we have an opening in the ICU today, and uh, I have put you on the list. And so uh, when those times come, and uh, they said it's going to affect your swallowing, it's going to affect your eyesight, it's going to affect your movements, and then it's going to affect your breathing. And so we need you in ICU in case we need to put you on a ventilator. I said, well, thanks for the good news. And so I went through that, and this this Bible study came out of that situation because uh, I didn't need 15 students to come visit me in the hospital and teach me about Bible geography. <laughs> it's not what I needed. Uh, and uh, I didn't need 25 other people to come and say, tell me how Jesus helped them. I, I need Jesus to help me now. Okay, and so that's where this came from. And so number one is this. I know everything is a test. Once you get that in your mind, it takes away all of the blame for why it's going on. Everything is a test. Everything is a test. Can you say that with me tonight? Everything is a test. Everything. I'm going to give you a a short list here of about 50 items, but everything is a test. And, And I'm sure this is not a complete list. But everything... Is a test. Uh, she's going to put Genesis two and uh, twenty-two and one up there, right? There it is. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. That tempt right there is a uh, comes from a Hebrew word means to test, to test. Because I'm going to give you another scripture in just a minute. But and said unto Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Uh, and so God did indeed. test Abraham. Here's another scripture, James right, God doesn't tempt people. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now I'm going to give you an ABI traditional thing. Anytime you see an E-T-H on a word in the Bible, that means keeps on doing it. He that seeketh, that means keeps on seeking. Knocketh means keeps on knocking. So that now you've got, you got a Bible school education already tonight. There's charged tuition on the way out. All right, that's an ABI thing. All right, but that's it is true. Anytime you see an ETH on a word. So God cannot be tempted with evil, neither... Uh, does he keep on tempting any man? He doesn't tempt people. Why would he die on the cross to save us from our sins and then tempt us to see if he could get us to fall? That's that's crazy thinking. If he died for us, right, why would he withhold anything else? If he gave us the son, if he gave us the incarnation in sacrifice, why would he withhold anything else from us? He gave us the most precious thing that he ever gave the earth. And so when we need a touch from him, why would he withhold that from us? If he already gave us the most precious thing that he had, his flesh, why would, why would he withhold healing? Or why would he withhold uh, comfort? Why would he withhold anything else from us at all? But God tempts no man to sin. So that tempt, tempting there in Genesis... Is not the temptation like we think about the temptation, the word temptation. A, a better translation, and I'm not bragging on the King James, I like the King James Bible, but a better translation would be God tested Abraham. God tests us. All right, then one more scripture on testing Deuteronomy 8 2. All right, listen to this. God. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to prove you, and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandment or no. That's the purpose of a test. And everything is a test. Everything is a test. All right, so... Uh, with With Abraham, everything... Will be tested. With you, everything will be tested. And so uh, here are some things. You don't have to write all this down. Your card's too small. Uh, You'll be tested in your family. I don't want to raise your hand, but have you ever had something to get through with your family? It's possible. About your health, you'll be tested with your health. All right? You'll be tested with your employment, your employer. You'll be tested with submission. you would be in submission. Obedience is good. You get points for obedience, but obedience is not the same thing as submission. Mama put the little boy in the corner, said, you stand here, you sit here in this corner on this chair. He said, I'm sitting down on the outside and I'm standing up on the inside. He was obeying, but he was not submitted. There's another way to handle that. We won't deal with that tonight. Childbearing will be another night. <laughs> Childrearing will be another night. Uh, if, if you're under authority to uh, civic and spiritual authorities, you will be tested. I've noticed in my ministry, it's not when I tell, a saint comes and says, I, I think we ought to do this, and I say, yes, uh, that's not a problem. If a saint comes and says, I think this is what we ought to do, and I say, no, that's, nah, now we got a problem. Say, no. No, because that would affect too many other people, that you're not thinking about them right now. You're just thinking about what you want. But there's other people that could not handle that. Maybe you could build them up a little bit. All right, so uh, neighbors. I ever had a problem with a neighbor, I had a neighbor one time shot my dog. But he didn't move away, and I didn't move away. We still had to live there. Shot my dog. Uh ever had any bad times, you wish you were somewhere else. David said, if I, had, if I only had wings. If I had, why? Because I'd fly out of every problem I had. That's why God gave us feet and not wings. How about good time, glad time? What do you do in a victory? Sometimes will mess people up. Yeah, when, when people are are coming off a high revival service night and go out and do something some stupid on the way home. All right, uh, vexation. Ever been anybody ever vexate you? Vexated? Have you ever been vexated? <laughs> vexation sometimes gets a hold of you. Uh, You'll be tested in your honesty. You'll be tested in your submission to government. I just got my plates on both my vehicles, front and back, yesterday. And I had everything but one, I had everything but one document. I had to go home and get it and bring it, back. it Was a I had the car I was in. I had the insurance card, but the truck, I forgot to take it with me, so I had to go all the way home and get one little 4x4 four four piece of paper your submission, and I was pleasant about it. I didn't try to argue with the lady because I knew it was no good. But I tried to be a Christian and say, you know, I should have thought of that myself. I brought the other one. I just never thought about it. would be a different card for a different vehicle, and she was happy that nobody was beating her up. So, Okay, honesty, the government, uh, you're... Your attitude in persecution, Brother Tremble and I were talking about that right before church. We were talking about electronics and sound systems and all that. I said, I could see Peter looking over at Silas and say, who's got the soundboard tonight? (laughs) No, they just sang their hearts out. All right, and then uh, persecution, how about uh, despitefully used, that's a biblical term when somebody despitefully uses you. Uh, I don't mind uh, being accused of being a storyteller when I told a story. But I hate being called a liar when I was telling the truth. (laughs) I said, I'm I'm going to have to go somewhere and pray. I'm going to have to do something to get that under control. And then also when you're in authority, how do you treat people when you're in authority? Is just as big as revelation as when you're under authority, and so all of the, all and many, many more. You could probably help me add to the list, uh, and give that to me. Philippians four twelve says this. The apostle Paul says, "I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound." And he said, "I am instructed." He said, "I'm instructed." I think is the word he used. I know both how to be abased. That means push down. And I know how to abound, have everything, everywhere, and in all things. Everybody say all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. All right, we don't look at that that way. I understand this man was hit in the head with rocks several times. And so when he said, I glory in my tribulations, I'll be honest and vulnerable with you here tonight. I'm not to that point yet. Where I can thank God for tribulation. Thank God for the test. Sometimes I I, I, I fight against it. Fight, and its I know it's God's will. And I still don't want to do it. All right? And so I'll be vulnerable here tonight. And tell you that uh, I want to be like Apostle Paul. Where I can be abased and abound. And it's the same thing. I've got the same attitude. I've got the same uh, demeanor. I've got the same speech patterns and everything. I want to be like that, but I found myself more like Simon Peter, kind of impulsive, saying the wrong thing at the right time, saying the right thing at the wrong time, saying something when I could be quiet, and so on and so forth. But that's number two. Uh, number one, I'm sorry, is everything is a test. Number two is, I know that Jesus loves me. Didn't you learn that song in Sunday school? And if we had a musician, uh, we could sing it, or if I could sing, I could sing it for you. Now, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. I know that mentally, but sometimes emotionally, I have trouble getting my, my mind around that. I, I know Jesus loved That's so important because one of the first things that Satan does when he comes to you when you're down is he tells you, if Jesus loved you, he wouldn't put you through this. But so, somehow... I've got to get this a hold of this anchor that never changes. I know Jesus loved me. He died for me. Is there any greater expression of love than somebody died for you? All right, so if he died for me, and now I'm living for God some 60 years, <laughs> and um, now he's going to try to trip me up when I get to be of old age, he's going to try to make me fail? No. Absolutely not. I know he loves me. Whatever's going on, whatever the devil's telling me, I'd like him to come and tell me, if if the Lord loved you, he wouldn't treat you like that. I said, I would tell him something like this. I would say, well, I know you're a liar. So if you're telling me that Jesus doesn't love me, he must love me very, very much. Thank you for the testimony. But but that's not easy to do when you're down when when you're going through it, whatever it is. all right, but I know that Jesus loves me romans five eight says this, but God commends keeps on commending his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, not when I was a Christian not when I was praising his name, but when I was using it as a, as a derogatory term. He died for me when I was still a sinner. All right, if he died for me when I was a sinner, what would he be willing to do for me now that I'm trying to be a saint? I didn't say I was perfect, but I'm trying to be. All right, so uh, Romans 5, 8 while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So I know we loved John 3.16. Everybody could quote. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten incarnation that whosoever believeth on him should not perish. I know God loves us. Why? Because uh, because First John 4.8 says God is loved. He that loves, he that keeps on loving, not keeps on knowing, not knowing, keeps on not knowing, all right, not God, for God is love. Now, sometimes we think of, of love, God's love, as an attribute of God. And, uh, but that, that, that's not saying right there that God loves. We know he loves as an attribute of God. God loves Right? But this is saying something different. This is saying not that God loves, but God loves because He is love. His very being. Am is are, was, were, when. Am is are was were. Be being and been is that the 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 action the state of being verb. His state of being is 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 love. It's not an action He does only. It's who He is. I'm going to say this. I don't think you could do anything to make Jesus stop loving you because God is love. You can do some things to change your standing with him. You can do a lot of things to change your standing with God. But I don't think you could do anything to make him stop loving you. Let you think about that a while. All right, so, and then First uh, John 3, God is love. Love is not something that God does only, all right? Love is something that God is. If you looked up love in the Encyclopedia, they have a picture of God, if they knew what God looked like. <laughs> little boy was coloring wildly on the paper. One day his mom said, said, what are you doing? She said, He said, I'm drawing a picture of God. She said, well, nobody knows what God looks like. He said, they will when I get done. (laughs) All right, so that's number two. Number three is I know that God's very smart. How many of you believe God's pretty smart? Right? Isn't he omniscient? Isn't he know everything? God's pretty smart. God is very smart. He's smarter than I am even. Can you imagine that? There's one big difference between me and God, I like to say. He never thinks he's me. God never thinks he's me. Sometimes I think I'm him, but you know, But he never thinks he's me. All right, so uh, Psalm 147.5 says this, and there are many, many scriptures. I'm just giving you a light outline here tonight. Many, many scriptures in the Bible, uh, it says this. It says, great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite and there lies the problem. We have a finite mind and we are trying to understand the working of an infinite mind. And so sometimes we get it wrong. We couldn't go to him, so he came down to us. To try to understand why we couldn't do what he said in the Old Testament. Well, I give you the rules. I etched them in stone. Why can't you do them? And then he comes down as one of us. And all of a sudden it's go thy way and sin no more. He's in the marketplace and they brought a woman to him. And uh, accusing her of, of adultery, at least, immorality, at least. But um, he said, well, they said, what should we do with her? They said, well, what did Moses say? Well, who told Moses what to say? He told Moses what to say. And he said, well, Moses said we ought to kill her. He said, all right, let he who is without sin cast the first stone and all of a sudden he realized that he's the only one there without sin and if his first stone is going to be cast he's going to have to throw it and he won't do it. Because now he's touched by the infirmities touched in every point tested in every point just like we are. And so I know God is very smart that uh, in Psalm 147:5 says, "Great power, not only great power, but his understanding is infinite." Uh, corollary number one is that he knows what he's doing. If he's pretty smart, then he knows what he's doing. Then that good logic, that's great logic. I'm doing really well. That's good logic. If if he's pretty smart, then he knows what he's doing. Sometimes I don't know what he's doing, but. In actuality, I don't need to know what he's doing. I just need to know him. Because he knows what he's doing. All right, and so that's one. Uh, and then we have a scripture. And corollary number two is this. The will of God. Have you ever struggled with the will of God? We struggle with the will of God to move and all, all that. We struggle with the will of God. All right, my... My catchphrase for the will of God is very simple. The will of God is exactly what you would do if you had all the facts. See, God's got all the facts. And see, he knows what's best for you, and you don't know what's best for you sometimes because you don't have all the facts. You think you do. You've thought about it and thought about it and thought about it and looked at it every different way and every different facet. And you've come up with some conclusion, but you haven't looked at it like God can look at it. And so corollary number one was, he knows what he's doing. If he knows what he's doing, then I just need to trust him. And corollary number two is, the will of God is what you would do anyway if you had all the facts. Sometimes we make decisions and we never had enough facts. We look back and say, well, if I only knew that then. Sometimes a student will ask me, Brother Bowman said, would you go back and start over? I said, if I could start over and know what I know now and start there, from there, I'd do a better job. And so uh, if, you, if you had all the facts, you would do exactly the will of God because that's the best thing to do, the smartest thing to do. All right? And uh, so you could put on there if you wanted to, God has all the facts. God's pretty smart. He has all the facts. He knows who's where. He knows who's coming. He knows who's going. He's coming in and going out. He knows who's rich. He knows who's poor. He knows who's tall and skinny and all. He knows everything about us. Even the hairs that are left on our head are numbered. God only made so many perfect heads. He had to put a hair in the rest of them. All right. So uh, I know... God is pretty smart. All right, number four. All right, number four. I know God is in control. God is in control. The devil tries to come and tell you that he's in control, that he's doing this and he's doing that. And so we can tell by the story of Job, which I don't have time for tonight, but you know the story of Job. All right, it it was... It was God bragging on Job that got the whole story started. It wasn't something the devil did. All right, but every time the devil came and asked God for something, God said, all right, this far, no farther. This far, no farther. And so sometimes God apparently gives Satan temporary control over situations so he can test us. Even Jesus himself was tested. After 40 days in the wilderness fasting, the Bible says he's hungry. I guess so. I guess so. And the devil came and tempted him with food and, and all that. But even Jesus was tempted. Even Jesus was tested. All right, and what did he do? He used the word of God. Three times he said, it is written. It is written it's written he, now he was the word he was the living word, and he could have given him something brand new and astounding, but he didn't he just used the word of God it said thus it is written it is written it's written you shall serve the Lord your God and nobody else. all right so I know God is in control now there's only uh, three spiritual realms we're going to deal with here tonight all right uh, keep it simple: heaven, earth and hell. That's all we're worried about. We want to go to heaven. We want to miss hell, but we're stuck on earth. Right? Here we are. We've got to get to one place uh, and avoid the other place and uh, try to do that while we're, we have this wonderful treasure, the Bible says, in this earthen vessel. And sometimes it's very, very earthen. It's very, 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 very base. All right, heaven. All right, uh, in Luke ten eighteen, this is what Jesus said in Luke ten eighteen, He said, and he said unto them, the he there is Jesus, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. He kicked him out. He was the angel of the morning. He was the angel of, Lucifer was the angel, means light bearer. And he was the angel of music and praise and lighting. And he had all these beautiful stones, gems on his breastplate. And uh, he said, I'm going to sit on that throne right there. <laughs> I'm going to sit on God's throne. I'm going to be like God. And, and God said, Jesus said, God said, said nope, you're out of here. Like lightning he fell from heaven. And so then he, Jesus finds people who sit in darkness, right? And he makes them the light of the world. And in Revelation on the church, he puts the same stones on the bride that were on Lucifer. You wonder why he hates you? He hates the air you breathe. He hates the ground you walk on because you got his job. He t- and what what we're trying to do we're trying to be like God. How many want to be like God? I want to be like God. All right, he got kicked out of heaven for that. You you wonder why he hates you. He doesn't. Why would you interview him when he's not going to help you do the job? All right, so uh that's that's heaven. Uh and then earth is uh Matthew 28:19, a famous doctrinal scripture we like to use. Go ye therefore and teach All nations, I like to read it and emphasize the teach part. We therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And we're not into that tonight, but that is not a baptismal formula. That is a command to go baptize in the name. And that name would be the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. If you're an English major. All right, they did not repeat that command. They went and obeyed that command in Acts 2. Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, and everywhere they went. But Jesus said this. He said, all power is given unto me. Is that next there? Is that 20? I'm sorry. That may not have been on the list. Is it the next one? All power is given unto me. In heaven and in earth. All right, she can get that real quick. That'd be fun. If not, that's all right. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you, and lo, I'm with you always, into in the world. Maybe it's uh, 17, but it's there. Trust me. Okay. Uh, we can't have a lesson without something going wrong somewhere. But it's not her fault. I mean, I didn't get. I got that from memory. I didn't look it up. And the memory's fuzzy around the edges. That's all right. I read, for you. read it for me. Which one do you want? Uh, it's the verse that says, uh, all power is given unto me. And in earth. Jesus, God is in control. The devil wants you to believe that he's in control and he may have some kind of a local leash on him. And the Lord would tell Satan, he said, okay, you can do this, but, but stop there. You stop here. And then he, the devil came back and said, well, you know, you, you're cheating. You've got a fence around him. And God says, my fence, I'll take it down. He took it down. He put, it, put up another one. Don't, don't, don't touch his hair. The devil came back complaining and said, he, you got another fence around him. He said, for his health, he'll curse you. God said, my fence, I'll take you down. But what the devil didn't understand was Job had a fence of his own around his relationship with God. And God won't take that down. It's not his fence. Job said this, he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Whether God's giving or God's taking away, I will not be influenced by the situation and what I think the devil's doing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If God is giving, blessed be the name. Oh, yeah, we get a raise, we go to church, that's fine. Bless God, pastor. I'm going to increase my tithes because I got a raise at work. And uh and but what you get get a pink slip and you kinda of just come in the back door. Oh well, I don't know about this. I don't know where God is now. And if you got a pink slip this week, I'm not talking about you. All right. But that's that's the way we do, you know, that's the way we are. We can tell the latitude and longitude of every bad thing that happened to us. I've had people sit across my desk in my pastor's office. And tell me an incident that happened 15, 20 years ago. And they can tell you what the people were wearing. They can tell you what day it was. They can tell you what he said and she said. They can do the inflections. They can do the answers. They can do all of that. Because they're, they're reacting. What they need to learn how to do, and we need to learn how to do, is respond. And that's what this little card is going to do for you tonight. When the devil comes and tells you things or the situation gets out of hand and you don't know how to control it. All right, just take your little card, all right, and just repeat, one, two, three. You don't have to do all the scriptures because that's just the proof, all right? And just read it, just read it, just read it. Okay, so heaven, earth, and hell, uh, Revelation 118 says this. Jesus said, I have the keys of hell and death. Listen to me, saints of God. The Bible tells me that the devil doesn't even have the keys to his own house. So don't tell me he's in charge. Why would you interview him for a job when he's not going to help you do it? So just when they they say when he comes and reminds you of your past, remind him of his future all right, so those are four things. Now, what to do with this? Okay, now, there are many more things. Faith, prayer, the platitudes that we, and they're true, but we use them, you know, just, I'm praying for you, brother, and that's, a, that's an encouragement. But that doesn't help the problem. So you take these like medicine. If you have heart medicine, and you carry nitroglycerin or whatever that is, that pill, all right, that's for emergency use. All right, you don't have time to go to get in your car and drive to Mayo Clinic in Minnesota and check yourself in there and say, ah, something. no, you got to take with that little pill within the first few seconds, right? All right, the other way you take medicine is take it four times a day. If the doctor tells you to take four of these every day, you don't take them all at once. You spread them out. All right, and that's what to do with this little card. All right, when you don't know what to do, do something that you know will help. Just, just read them like a mantra. Number one. Number two. Number three. Number Just keep saying them over and over and over until that, until that pain that you have is overcome by the word of God. And so, uh, would you like to stand tonight? That's about 30 minutes. Okay, so, uh, these are my four. If you, I looked it up on the internet today. And there's pages and pages of four anchors for life. And I got the number five. You know, the, the, it'll come up and it'll say 267,000 hits. Well, I don't have time for all that. I barely get past the first page on anything. But today I deliberately went to page five, and I read all of these other people who had four anchors for life, and none of them had mine. <laughs> that didn't cause me wonder, but. But what I read them until I got down to where it said Anchors and Fasteners, Home Depot. Uh, <laughs> That's farther than I usually read. But actually, these these look there's something to hold in your hand, it's tangible. It's something you can go to and you can say, No, uh, uh-uh, devil not listening. Uh, let me read you something that Brother Bowman gave me the other night, church. And just read them off until your soul is recovered from the blow. Uh, And so there's no charge for those. The cards are free. Uh, If you borrowed a pen, you might want to give it back. All right. Um, (laughs) And so take them like medicine. If you have an emergency, you don't know what to do, and the devil blindsided you, get your little card out and read it. Don't sit alone in in, in the wee hours of the morning, just think. You have to think actively. You have to do something. You have to put something in your hand. Uh, if you can't sleep at night, I recommend reading the genealogies. <laughs> They'll put you right back to sleep. And so and so big at so and so and so and so big at so and so. And you get and, and names you can't pronounce. But God knew every one of those people and he knows you. And so maybe this will help you. I hope that I get testimonies in the next few months that, you know, that little card got me through the day. It got me through this sickness. It got me through this hurt. It got me through this pain. It got me through this loss. Because these things are true and you don't need Greek and you don't need Hebrew. You don't need a seminar on... Finding God in the midst of a storm, you don't need all that. It'll help. All that will help. But you need something for emergency use that will that will calm your mind. That will settle in your mind. Things that you know are true, but you have buried them. You've been started you stop my my advice is to stop looking at your problem and telling God how big your problem is you need to start going to your problem and telling your problem how big your God is. And this will help you do that. And God bless you. You want this back?